From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. I hope everybody out there is doing well and had a good Easter and all of that. I know uh, we were talking before we came on the air that Brandon's got a, a sort of deviled egg situation going on. I hope you don't light up the studio. I, I do have to say that I can measure the amount of ham that I ate this weekend, not in ounces, but in pounds. I'm stuffed, man. So you, somebody's going to have to wheel me out of here at some point. But this is this week we're, we're sitting – you know, a week and a half from the NFL draft, I'm not going to lie. I, I've i been so excited for this show for weeks because I knew what we were going to do, and this is my time of year. I, you know, I'm the, I used to be the, the consummate draft geek watching tape on obscure guys from, you know, Prairie View A&M and the rest of that. I don't, I don't get as deep as I used to, but NFL football is my thing, and uh, I hope you're as excited about it as I am, Brandon Atkins. Yeah, I'm super excited. You never, you know, the first couple of picks are pretty, I don't know, you can get some surprises, you know, in the first couple of picks as well. Um, Maybe not number one this year. I have a feeling we know who might be going. But I'm interested to see what my Panthers do this year with that number eight pick and to see immediate impact players come into the league and uh, see how it affects your team. I do see that you are taking advantage of, um, by wearing your Cincinnati Reds jersey here, I'm rocking um, the Joey Votto. Is that because they're still are they still number one in the? Oh man, it was a rough weekend. Oh, it was, was a it? rough weekend. The Brewers got into them pretty good, uh, three to one. They won the series, but you know we got the Orioles coming to town. It's going to be great. I see you're you're rocking your Eli Manning game worn apparel this morning. Yes, he All told right. me himself that it's real. <laughs> In fact, you know what? Everybody that's listening out there, if you if you email us at Cheap Seat Radio, we'll uh, we'll send you out Eli Manning game worn jerseys. How's that sound? Here's what I'll do. If when we don't do that, is that sort of an FCC violation? Did we just break some covenant? So here's what I'll promise to our listeners: is that if you email us or send us a text. I will make sure you get a Crystal Lambert game-worn jersey. Now, it was worn on the bench, but it's game-worn. I promise you that. I'll take pictures. Let me tell you something. I was the best athlete in my fifth-grade class, man, without a doubt, hands down. All right, so let me tell you what we're going to do today. And this is this is a little bit different because at, up to this point, all of the radio programs we've done have been on podcasts. We haven't done any podcast-only stuff yet. We're going to do the first half of the draft God willing, if we can get through it, sure. uh, will be radio. And then the second half of the draft will be on podcast. So go to SoundCloud, find us at From the Cheap Seats, and uh, check out the second half as well. What we've done with our mock draft for the first half of the draft is reached out to friends and colleagues across the country, gotten their input, and actually gave them the keys to the car, let them make the pick. So without further ado, we will begin the first annual From the Cheap Seats mock draft for the NFL. And with the first pick, my girl Cleveland Kate, she's with the group NFL female. Mm-hmm. Have you are you familiar with these ladies? No, I'm not. They're awesome, man. They're it's awesome. They so it's cool. a it's a bunch of ladies from across the country who who all write for their particular teams. And it kind of blew my mind up when I found out this was a thing. Because my wife is perfect. And perfect, you can't get any better than perfect, right? 
No, you cannot. Well, yeah, you can because my wife is perfect. But if she wrote for NFLfemale.com and was that big a football fan, she'd be perfecter. She'd be more perfecter. Yeah. Mrs. D, you're listening at home. Ain't it? <laughs> um, yeah, you should you should do this thing. You know, when we were when we were dating, when we got engaged, um, a friend of hers gave her a, a book called Football for Dummies. And uh, I was like, man, that's the sweetest thing. She's like going to get into this for me. Never happened. Bob. Never happened. She'd, so, guys out there, if you find yourself a woman that's a, a, a legit football fan, hold on to her tight. Um, with the first pick, Cleveland Kate says that the Browns are not going to go against the collective wisdom of all the draft Knicks out there, and they're going to take Miles Garrett from Texas A&M, big defensive end, with the first pick in the draft. What do you think about that, Brandon? I think it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, this whole draft is rich at cornerback and safety, which, I mean, they could also use that, but you can get it further down the draft board. Obviously, they don't see their guy, the, the guy at quarterback. So it never hurts to have a beast, you know, pass rush. And, and Miles Garrett is the guy. He's that guy, and he's that good that he could be an instant impact player for the Cleveland Browns this year. All right, the consensus is, first of all, that Cleveland stinks. So Cleveland could use any number of things. This is an interesting draft in that, apart from Garrett, you've got a lot of guys that could go anywhere from 2 to 15 or so. They're all kind of lumped together. It depends on on what you're looking for and how you want to use them. Miles Garrett is the consensus number one. In my eyes, the only other option that Cleveland has here is to go quarterback. Mm-hmm. Last year was one of those years, everything's relative in the draft. You saw the Rams and the Eagles move up the board, reach for guys that that really weren't franchise, you know, lead pipe cinch locks to be stars in the NFL. They made that move. Cleveland's got to resist that. There's some good quarterbacks there. You've got Deshaun Watson. You've got Mitch Trubisky. You've got um, Deshaun Kaiser. Pat Mahomes is, is, is running up the boards now. You mean Mitchell, right? Yeah, I mean Mitchell. Mitchell Trubisky. I'm, uh, Mitch. Mitchell. Fair enough. Mitchell Trubisky. Just ask his mom. Yeah. That's, well, I mean, I, at first I thought it was a real power play jerk move, and then I was like, I found out that his mom was making them. <laughs> well, mom's calling the shots. But it, at the top of the board, there isn't that guy that you can you can put your finger on and say, "Yep, this is this is a you know a certainty." And with other with with any other position, you're not really taking your franchise's future in your hands like you are with that number one quarterback or, you know, number two or number three. But in those first three or four or five picks, you've got to pay you've got to play the guy mm-hmm. because the expectations are there. The contract's not different if you if you take Mitchell Trubisky here versus Miles Garrett, but the commitment to him, sort of building your offense around him, he's the one that gets all the number one reps and all the rest of that. You can't miss with that quarterback that high. Now that said, Cleveland's in the catbird seat here too because they pick twelve, so they get another bite at the apple and, you know, things could go awry for them, and, and those top two or three quarterbacks could come off the board. But I think Cleveland, I think you're right. I think Miles Garrett's the pick here. The one thing I will say against Garrett, yes, he's a great athlete. Um, his sophomore year, he was, he was really, really productive. This is a guy that's got all the measurables. He's long. He's tall. He's, he's thick. I do wonder – how he can hold up as a run defender, though, at the point of attack. Most of the impact plays that you'll see Miles Garrett make on tape are him shooting the gap, getting up the field, 
disrupted in the backfield. Well, when you run at him, I don't know if he's stout enough to be a, a three-down defender, and that bothers me. If you're going to take a guy that high, I'd like to see him a little bit more stout there. The other issue I have is this is a guy that you know is known for his pass rushing prowess, had eight and a half sacks on the year, but four and a half of those came in one game against UT San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the Alabama game, he was shut out. Um, a lot of the scouts feel like you know he took – he basically – uh, mailed it in a little bit, mm-hmm. knowing where he was going to be in the draft, and that 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 bugs me a little bit. But you see an awful lot with with um, defensive linemen. Just two things: he's six foot four and a half, and he's two hundred and seventy-two pounds. You know, as soon as he starts working out with that NFL regiment, if he if you're concerned about how stout he is, he can get there pretty fast. I mean, these they have professionals helping out with that sort of thing. ESPN insiders have him the highest-grade player coming into the draft at 95. Um, I, I, I think that Cleveland Browns need to change their mindset. And you hear this year after year. They've just adopted these almost like a lovable losers. The quarterback – I, I like the loser part of that. I'm not so sure I like the lovable. Well, you know, I, I have a soft spot, spot for the Browns. Uh, I'd like to see them do well at some point in my lifetime. But – I think the no-brainer, lower-pressure pick is Miles Garrett, rather than you know maybe potentially flirting with some da- some danger by picking a quarterback. Go ahead and go with what I think is the sure thing, and create an environment within the team. You know nobody's going to give them heat for picking a Miles Garrett. No, it's it's hard to argue with the pick. He is the consensus guy. Now you said well he can get in there and he can put on a couple more pounds and be more stout at the point of attack. He's a quick guy, but he's not. You know he's not next level quick, really. Right. And if you pack more pounds on there, you have to ask the question: Can he? Can he continue? You know, can he keep that up? Sure. But Miles Garrett is the pick. Um, appreciate that, Cleveland Kate. Y'all check out NFL Female. Thank um, you. You find them on Twitter. You can find them all over the place. But they're awesome. Now with the second pick, um, you've got Reuben Foster to the 49ers. This pick was made by Jacob C. Palmer. He's the sports editor at the San Francisco Examiner. And this one kind of messed me up from jump. Uh, he was the second guy that I talked to. And, and Reuben Foster is a guy that I've seen everywhere from about 6 to 15 in the draft. But his feeling is this is the no-nonsense replacement for Patrick Willis. And I don't know if that's a great draft philosophy. But I do know that if you want to go inside linebacker in the first round, and you've only got one pick in the first round, and everybody's trying to trade down at this point, so it's probably not not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Ruben Foster is a plug-and-play linebacker. The question is whether he plays inside or he plays weak side. Um, I personally think he can play inside linebacker. A lot of the scouts out there think he's a weak side guy. But this guy, when you're talking about sideline to sideline uh, you know, pursuit and coverage ability, Ruben Foster out of Alabama, the linebacker, is uh, – He's going to be a good pro. Yeah, he will be. Sometimes I wonder how people pick, make picks out of Alabama because they're just stacked rosters, which you can't really double-team many of these guys, game planning for them. They're stacked at every position. So, you know, kudos to the scouts to go out and figure out who's really good on, on those rosters because I just – when the whole team's great, it's kind of hard to, I think, you know, it's just like these Big Ten teams with the running back that goes for a gazillion yards, and then they get in the NFL and fall kind of flat because everybody else is good, as good and quick as as them. 
you know, 49ers probably need to start looking at a quarterback. This is a team that with needs across the board. Absolutely. And, and if you don't take a quarterback here, you know, what does that mean? You know, are you, are we in the Blaine Gabbard era? What's going on out there? I don't, I don't know what it, it, that's a good question. What does it mean? What kind of message does it send to the team? I mean, is well, it a- I'll tell you what kind of it seems. When you're looking at this, I, I said I don't think there's a lead pipe locked number one quarterback at the top of the board. Right. But you've got five guys um, that all bring different skill sets to the table but can make all the throws, can play in the NFL. I think San Francisco would do well not to, to reach for a quarterback here and wait until the top of the second round and, and take their pick. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. All right, Brandon. So, so far we've got Miles Garrett at one to the Browns. Second pick was Reuben Foster to the 49ers. Right. And I want to make one point about Reuben Foster before we move on. This comes from a guy that, that watches Vontez Perfect, the middle linebacker for the uh, – or the weak side linebacker for the Bengals play every week. And Reuben Foster reminds me a lot of Perfect, which is really, really good. Except that he has a tendency, just like Burfick does, to lead with his head and get his head down. And I know I've read a lot. It's something that the Alabama coaching staff's been trying to coach him out of since he arrived on campus. And he's had stinger after stinger, had some concussion issues. That bothers me a lot because obviously they're not going to be able to coach it out of him. Right. And, you know, playing against that next level talent, you know, that much more strain on your neck and head is is a concern. And I and, and I hate to sound you know, Pollyannish about um, about the whole concussion thing, but if this is a guy that knocks himself out of the league, literally, I'm not going to be shocked. I think Reuben Foster's got the coverage skill, he's got the instincts, he's got the the pursuit and makeup speed to be a real impact player for San Francisco, whoever actually drafts him. But I do worry about that that keeping that head down. And leading with the head, which is which is his preferred methodology of tackling. Well, I think that's what he had at six. I know his coverage is amazing, but at six foot, 
what, 229? I mean, he's he's a guy that maybe you could probably push around a little bit in, inside the circle. Uh, you know, it, that maybe he's used that that kind of spear tactic to go ahead and get some, you know, force on the tackle. But who knows? Like I said, you get in the NFL, you got guys working you out. Um, you know, San Fran can't go wrong with maybe picking a guard in the situation or start to look for a right tackle throughout the draft. And anytime you can get pass rush off the edge in this draft, I feel like you got to go ahead and do that because we've seen how effective it's been in the big games, Super Bowls, things of that nature with some of these athletic quarterbacks. Well, San Francisco's up against the same thing everybody else at the top of this draft is. Right. Unlike most years, there are no, you know, there's no linemen. Uh, there's no offensive lineman that makes sense until you get down to the 15-20 range. Right. Somebody is going to reach early, but um, – you know, according to all the scouting services and all the analysts and the rest of that, it's just a down year for for offensive linemen. So San Francisco here, I honestly don't think that they'll go Reuben Foster when it's all said and done. But it could be any one of half a dozen other guys, and I'm not going to be surprised. It wouldn't be horrible. The insiders have him ranked no. inside the top ten. So no, it wouldn't be at all, and it would break some folks' hearts down the board a little bit who think that Reuben Foster is going to be there, you know, seven or ten or whatever Absolutely. the case might be. And like you said. This is a, this is the kind of pick that people are listening to going to be like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. And then on draft night, something ludicrous happens in the top ten sure. every time. Oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But Jacob Palmer from the San Francisco Examiner thinks Ruben Foster's a guy. Cool. We'll go with that. He knows you guys check him out on Twitter. Um, we appreciate him and his input. Now, that's two SEC defenders to open this thing up with the third pick. My boy Larry Lambert, I want to talk about this guy for a second because if you're on social media and you're a Twitter guy, you've got to follow Larry Lambert 6. He writes a blog, and and you can keep up with it at Twitter, called Diary of a Chicago Sports Fan. And I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know Larry personally, but I will tell you it's one of the best sports blogs out there. Um, And I'm not a Chicago sports fan, but some of his subject matter and his research that he that he uses to go along with is really really awesome i'd I'd recommend it to anybody so you're out there listening check it out larry lambert six um larry writes a great blog he says the bears go jamal adams from lsu the safety here at number three um jamal adams there's there's two or three safeties at the top of this draft right um you can kind of toss them in a hat and and just sort of decide what you want with this i think this would be a good pick for the bears bears another team that you know have got some issues across the board um what do you think brandon well first thing with chicago you think kind of what are you going to do with the quarterback will they pick up mike glennon so maybe they think that that's their answer um so that takes trubitsky and some of the others out of the the picture i think that First of all, I think that Larry got shorted. Why isn't there a D in front of that Lambert? I know, right? We could be cousins, though, because Lambert and DeLambert, our families are intermingled back way back in England and, and whatever. We could be cousins, man. We probably are. You just started walking around saying, I'm the Lambert, and it turned into D Lambert. That's kind of anyway, how that went, but anyway. Larry, <laughs> I think he's spot on. I mean, I don't. Jamal Adams' safety, I mean, this is specifically a need. Um, that Chicago has, either at corner and safety. And why not go ahead and take the best one available, depending on who you're talking to? So I don't know that there's much to add from from my part to his pick. Well, and the question is, you know, a lot of teams are steered by need. Other teams draft straight best player available. But either way, it'd be tough to say here because, again, 
after you get from Miles Garrett down through about 15, everybody that's in there is sort of, you know, what you prefer, what, you know, what, what your system's going to get out of these guys. So Jamal Adams, the guy that'll most certainly go top 10. Uh, we've got him here going at three to the Bears. Now the fourth pick from Jacksonville. Jacksonville's a team, man, that, that drives me nuts because I look on paper and they've got, you know, skill position guys. They've got everything that you would think and they just can't get it done on Sundays with any regularity. Um, Stuart Weber, he's a reporter down in Jacksonville, does radio play-by-play for the Jacksonville Armada. Um, he's on CBS 47, but Stuart says they go Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. That makes four SEC players in a row, two LSU guys back-to-back. But Leonard Fournette, this is a guy we've been waiting on to come out for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a horse. He is. I mean, six foot 247. I'm 6'1", 240-ish, and I can't I, – I, I have trouble walking down to the car. <laughs> but I can't get my body moving. But Leonard Fournette, with his performance at the Combine, solidified himself as the top back in this draft. I think there were a lot of questions between him and Dalvin Cook. Um, Fournette, head and shoulders, I think, at this point. I think he's an NFL-ready guy. Um, if Jacksonville takes him here – and he performs at the level we suspect, and they add him along with Blake Bortles and the rest of that offense, I think Jacksonville could be stupid. I think that his performance at the Combine was huge because, like you said, people have been watching this guy for years. It seems like forever that yeah, he's right? been in college football. Um, Jacksonville traded away Julius Thomas, which was one of their bigger playmakers. So he may be spot on. If Ornette, I would call him a playmaker. I don't know if you agree with that or not. But, I mean, the guy makes plays. And to be able to carry all that weight that fast, I mean, imagine being a safety trying to tackle this guy in the open field. Well, it was <laughs> funny. At the combine, I was listening to LaDainian Tomlinson talk about the backs in the draft. And I'm watching – as, as he's talking, I'm watching Fournette run his 40 directly at the camera mm-hmm. with muscles rippling everywhere, and this guy's shredded up. And Tomlinson says something to the effect of, uh, well, he showed up three pounds overweight for his, you know, the most important workout of his life. If that was that dude three pounds overweight, cool. Well, I mean, so, I mean, that he's a monster. And he's a physical runner who can get downhill. And you've got your Marshawn Lynch's of the world, and you've got your thumpers. But when you've got a thumper that can legitimately be a home run threat every time he touches the ball, you got something special. Fournette could be that guy. And if he comes in and has an impact like Zeke Elliott did last year for the Cowboys, watch out for Jacksonville. I like what's going on down there. Bortles has got to step up his game, but that defense has got the the pieces. Could be – could be. When, if, remember what I was talking about, how hard it is to analyze out players in Alabama because they're just like just built from top to bottom, well, just sure. straight across. LSU is obviously still a really great program, but I think it's slightly easier to be able to to figure out what their talent level. And, you know, last two picks in our you know mock draft is Jamal Adams and then Leonard Fournette out of LSU. So I, I've been looking at Leonard Fournette because at certain times of the uh, going into this draft, people have thought that he might fall to eight, and he might, he might. If he, I guess, I tell you what, he won't do. He won't fall to ten because if he's there at nine for Cincinnati, he's going to be a Bengal. You can go ahead and make that call. I'm, in too. I'm telling you right now, you can you can commit that to tape. If Leonard Fournette is there at nine, he will be a Cincinnati Bengal. Write that down. I just Jared Odrick, they tra- uh, 
they freed him up, uh, dropped him, freed him up. So you may be looking at defensive tackle. That's the only other thing I think you could add that you know that's early in the draft. But I think Leonard Fournette. Jacksonville needs a little bit more wow factor. They, they need do. To get those guys, their fans energize, so maybe this could do it for them. They do. If uh, if it's not Fournette there, I really like Jonathan Allen with that pick. You got Solomon Thomas, right. uh, but we'll 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 address those guys as we get down to the uh, board. Now we're we're gonna wrap up this last segment with the next pick, but understand that what you're listening to, if you're on podcast right now, this is the first half of the podcast. The second half of the podcast is out there, and then again we'll have a full hour of additional podcasts. So it's actually, I guess, three different programs that will hit the inter- Internet. If you're listening on radio uh, and you want to go back and listen to something we said or, or you want to check out an earlier program, again, go to SoundCloud, From the Cheap Seats. We're easy to find. Follow us on Facebook at From the Cheap Seats as well. Now, with the fifth pick, this is a little bit of a surprise coming here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set that up right now. But I'm going to tell you that the pick was made by former Tennessee Titans All-Pro, Brad Hopkins, who now makes a living on Sirius XM Radio as an NFL analyst. So with that track record, I'm not going to argue with him. How about you? Nah, no, sir. Hopkins says you take the best athlete out there. He takes Jabril Peppers from Michigan. Right. Now, safety is what they list him as, but you'll depend upon who you want to ask. You go anywhere from corner to safety to outside linebacker. The notion of Peppers playing outside linebacker in the NFL is stupid. So any of those draft pundits that are out there that, that say that are cutting and pasting from someplace else and they don't know what they're talking about. I do think Peppers will play safety in the NFL, but I also think what makes him what makes him an intriguing prospect is two things. First of all, he can come down in the slot and cover anybody. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're talking about a third corner that sort of can, can do both, play safety and play, play in the slot. The other thing is his returnability, and that's what – what Mr. Hopkins, I, that's what I call him, Mr. Hopkins. Mr. Hopkins, you better. Yeah. Um, that's what he likes is the returnability. So as he you know becomes a part of the defense, becomes a contributor, you've got that athleticism. The guy that he reminds me of athletically the most is Pac-Man Jones. Oh, wow. Um, if you look at him physically, if you look at him, they're both stocky guys. They're not the tallest guys. They're not long, they're not long but they're great athletes. Adam Jones, you know, everybody knows him now as a punchline and mug shots and the rest of that stuff. They forget what a great athlete he was, and he's had a really, really solid NFL career. But I look at Adam Jones, I look at Patrick Peterson. Jabril Peppers has that kind of athleticism, and that means a lot. So it's an interesting pick. I personally think it's probably a little too high, um, but kind of hard to argue. And and as as much as I say, yeah, maybe a little early for him, Right. I do think that Jabril Peppers is going to be a great value pick because I think he's going to be underdrafted. I do think he's a top 15 prospect in this draft, and I'd want him on my football team. Sure. Well, the one thing Tennessee Titans have going for him is Mariota. You got, you're locked in at quarterback. We'll be back. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? 
Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. And now, from the cheap seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. All right, Brandon, so we're back, continuing on with our first annual From the Cheap Seats mock draft. I guess there's an argument to be made if it's the first one, if it can be called annual, but it's our show, so we'll do whatever we want do to. Do like want. that. Now, we were talking about the Jabril Peppers pick from Tennessee. Um, and to recap for everybody, at one, Cleveland took Miles Garrett. Two, to the 49ers was Reuben Foster. Three, Chicago took Jamal Adams. Leonard Fournette to the Jags. Brad Hopkins, former All-Pro for the Tennessee Titans, has Jabril Peppers at five to the Titans. Now, the knock on this guy is that in his entire collegiate career, he's got one interception. So for a defensive back, um, that's a red flag. But he did have 10 pass breakups um, the year before last. And I'm, I'm willing to say that watching this guy a lot, the athleticism's there and, and teams just didn't want to fool with him. Right. Now, this is a little bit of a flyer, but Tennessee has the luxury of having two first-round picks. They pick again at 18. Um, this is the Rams pick uh, that they got in the, mm-hmm. in the Jared Goff deal last year when they traded the top pick. They're still enjoying the spoils of that. Now, Tennessee's putting together a nice young team over there. Um, could be fun to watch, but kind of kind of put a bow on the Jabril Peppers well, pick. Going into the break, I was just saying – my thought process would be that what a luxury to have Marcus Mariota, who got really hot in 2016. And I would look at potentially, and I'm about to make you angry here, um, I'd look to give him a toy. I'd I'd look for a dub, like a wide receiver one, and I know how badly you want Mike Williams to fall to your Cincinnati Bengals. Can you imagine giving Marcus Mar, – I don't know, I can't even remember who Marcus Mariota was making hay with last year when he caught fire. But I would say – Mike Williams out of Clemson move up to that spot. Give Marietta some tools to be able to, you know, do do a little damage in that wide receiver rich division. I'm going to tell you what, and Mike Adams for a couple of reasons has slid down um, the the projections. I don't know that necessarily he's fallen down draft boards across the league. If I'm in that Tennessee front office on draft day, I'm literally dancing on jumping on a table. Mike Williams is the pick for me. Right. Yeah, and, and just what you said, you said it perfectly. Give Marietta a you know a legitimate one A receiver to throw the ball to. I think Mike Williams is that guy in this draft, and I think people are reading too much into to the injury history, right? And to the um, and to the speed, Mike Williams is that guy uh, for me. But Brad Hopkins got Jabril Peppers going at five to Tennessee. The Jets. The Jets pick was made by Eric and Lon from the Jet Twit podcast. Check these guys out. Um, they really know their stuff. They took a lot of heat on Twitter when they made this pick, but Eric and Lon say Marshawn Lattimore, the Ohio State cornerback. Um, this makes back-to-back Big Ten players after the, the uh, SEC you know, dominated the top of the draft board. Marshawn Lattimore is just the latest in a long line of Ohio State defensive backs. They've been a cornerback factory all the way back to, to Sean Springs. Um, Marshawn Lattimore's got the length. He's got the speed. He's got the athleticism. He's played top-shelf talent. Kind of hard to argue with this pick, but you know how New York football fans are. They'll argue with anything. Right. Um, 
New York, another team that's got quarterback questions. You know, what's going on there? But um, what are the other options for New York here? Um, the only problem I would have to pick is that Malik Hooker's still on the board. You, Malik Hooker. You're shaking your head like. I, look, Malik Hooker is is a whole nother animal. Right. <laughs> but if you're going to go defensive back, you know, Hooker is a, you know, he's going to play safety at the next level. Right. But if I'm looking defensive backs, I'm looking Ohio State defensive backs, and you're talking to a, you know, OHIO, I'm a Buckeye fan. I've watched these kids almost every snap they've played. It's hard for me to rationalize somebody taking Marshawn Lattimore, even if you need a corner with Malik Hooker still on the board. It hurt my feelings that Jamal Adams came off our board before Hooker, but I can see that. Marshawn Lattimore is going to be a good pro. I think he's going to be a solid cornerback in the NFL, but I don't think this is a great corner class. I do think it's a great safety class, and I think that the Jets, if they take Marshawn Lattimore here at six, will rue not taking Malik Hooker. Well, I think they're taking the wrong Buckeye defensive back. I agree, here. and people go on and on and on. Everybody's talking about how talent-rich – this draft year at safety and cornerback is, but might as well go ahead and take one of the best, if not the best in the draft. If you have that need, almost every team needs that type of talent. Well, and the Jets a, certainly do. It's a question like we talked about earlier. It's a difference in philosophy. You either force the pick based on need or you take the best player available. The Jets go with Marshawn Lattimore there. Thanks to Eric and Lana, the Jet Twit podcast. At seven, this this hurts my head just to, to say it, but the Los Angeles Chargers get it right and take Malik Hooker at seven. That picks from Dave Drogemeyer. Um, he's the host of the Chargers Dominate. Wait a minute. Let me make sure I get this right. The Chargers Domination podcast. You can find those guys on Twitter at Chargers Dom Pod. Um, Malik Hooker, I think, is it's hard to argue with that. This is a this is an absolutely best player available pick if the Chargers go this way. Uh, they need help at receiver, defensive end, offensive line. But Malik Hooker, you know, staring that down, too good to pass up. Now, I hate throwing this name out there because you're not doing. You'll never know. But if there's an Ed Reed type safety to come into the draft in the last couple of years, to me it's Malik Hooker. The only knock that you've got on this young man is that he only played for one year. He's a one-year starter, but Malik Hooker's ball skills, his makeup speed, this guy was a top-shelf basketball player coming out of high school, and that translates to the NFL. And you can watch, if you, if you put on a little bit of tape of Malik Hooker, you can see him track down balls that he just should not be able to get to. And when he gets there, he's not knocking the, he's not knocking the ball away. Right. He's turning it around, picking it off, and, and going the other direction. So Malik Hooker at seven to the Los Angeles Chargers. The only thing I would note is that with that injury to Keenan Allen, you still have some pretty good talent at wide receiver. I know I kind of keep going back to that, but look, I don't care. I'm a, I, there's not a team in this league that could go wrong taking Mike Williams at any place in this right. draft. That's that's how I feel about it. I have a feeling that when this draft is all said and done, Mike Williams is going to be one of the best players out of this draft. I, I don't see any difference in his game b- between Julio Jones and A.J. Green. I, I just don't see the difference in the game when I watch him. Um, you know, didn't play in a, in a, with the most accurate passer out there and always found a way using those ball skills to make big plays at big times. He's a big, fast target. Right. I, 
It, and it know, might be. I don't get paid to be an NFL talent evaluator. I wish I did. And if anybody's listening and they want to give me that gig, I'll put the radio stuff down and come work for you. No problem. We, but <laughs> I think we could do a two hours on Mike Williams. I think we we'll could. Get, we'll move on. Uh, I want to say this. The Chargers are transitioning to a 4-3, which requires a – an additional defensive end. I know it's kind of a, re- a reach, but I've been hearing the name Derek Barnett for the Chargers if they're going to be going shifting into that 4-3. That's the only other thing I could think of. But Well, um, again, Jonathan Allen's out there. Jonathan right. Allen's a nice ta- talent. There's, there's other guys that are out there, but the Chargers take Malik Hooker, and that brings us to the Carolina Panthers at eight. Just Joan, she's in a group out there, the Panther Girl Gang. If you haven't seen them on Twitter, these ladies know their Panther football. Right. She knew that people would be throwing bombs at her when she made this pick. And if you've been paying attention to us over the last 45 minutes, you know we'll throw some bombs too. She says the Panthers take Corey Davis, wide receiver out of Western Michigan. Now, this is a roll of the dice here because this is a guy that's got all the measurables, got all the tools. If you look at him on tape, he's dynamic. He can run with the ball after the catch. He's got the measurables, but you've still got Mike Williams out there Mm-hmm. Who has those same measurables and did it against, you know, top shelf talent? You're taking a flyer on Corey Davis, but she was certain with the pick. I've seen it per, I've seen it forecast at other places. You got about three and a half minutes left. Okay. Well, I'll try to make it quick, but one thing I'll say is that much respect to these these ladies, um, but I'm gonna go ahead and say that I, I don't like the pick. Um, according to our mock draft here, I'm hoping Leonard Fournette is off the board because I think that Panthers would maybe tempted to take him. The running backs are just not valued like they used to be in the NFL. And if tell that have, to the Cowboys. Well, tell that to the Cowboys offensive line. I mean, I think you could have Touché. gone. For, I think you could have gone for about a thousand, maybe I last year. I could have done twelve hundred, no problem. One thing that I'll say is that you got Julius Peppers back, so it feels like you stepped into a time machine. You got Julius Peppers <laughs> back playing defensive end. He's not the same player, but he get, he allows you to maybe not have to focus on that position in this draft until later. The guy who I've been telling you that I love is OJ Howard with this pick. If you were to try to clone a copy of Olsen, it's O.J. Howard. And to be able to – I know that Cam Cam Newton would love to have two tight ends. He loves to throw to Olsen. He loved to have two of these guys to throw to. And then you're like – you having him, O.J. Howard, to be an understudy of Olsen? Well, here's the thing with the two tight end set is everybody thinks that's a great idea. Right. But the only team in the NFL that's had any sustained success with the two tight end systems been the New England Patriots. Right. So having a second, you know, number one tight end is great in theory, but you don't see it in practice very often. But it's hard to argue. O.J. Howard would be a great pick here, I think. The problem I have with Howard is when you watch Alabama, too many of O.J. Howard's big plays were made when coverage just completely broke down right. because there were so many weapons that people were running at him. Now, what O.J. Howard brings that, that the rest of these tight end prospects don't that really make him a top 10 candidate to be picked is that he will destroy you in the run game. Mm-hmm. Big time blocker. So you take that, you know, he ran, what, a four-five-three, I think, at the, at the combine. He's a big guy and he blocks – there's some questions about his worth ethic and his, his desire. It's impossible to gauge. It's all about the system that you get into. O.J. Howard would be a nice 
a, a nice toy, like you said for Marietta, a nice toy for Cam Newton. But here, Jones says they're going Corey Davis. I like Corey Davis may well be a guy that you know is the next Terrell Owens right. uh, or somebody like that that comes out of a small school. That's just so hard to project because of the level of talent. Western Michigan's not playing world beaters out I, there. I will say that we have some nice wide receivers. I just think it's been pounded into our heads that we need more wide receivers. We have some really nice ones. And having another tight end will help uh, Cam Newton. He's a guy who I think maybe has five years with the style game he plays. And having that other tight end may extend that time for him to be on the field. All right, we're going to come back with the last segment. We'll get through the first half of the first round. And then remember, head over to SoundCloud from the cheap seats and check out the second half of the draft where I think Professor Trent might join us in the studio. Want to want to say what's up to Charles Melby, who's taping the show for television. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit jimmyv.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. All right, Brandon, you were talking about the fact that we could do an hour on the Mike Williams um, situation and, right. and him as a prospect. We could, I could legitimately do like 24 hours on the Bengals pick at nine here. I told you earlier, if Fournette's there at nine, I think he's done. I think he's there. Uh, Jeremy Hill is, you know, started with a bang as a rookie. He's kind of petered out. Uh, Gio Bernard had, uh, always seems to have some injury concerns. Leonard Fournette is the classic AFC North downhill running back. He's a big physical guy. If Cincinnati gets a crack at him at nine, it's done. My boys, who I've been with literally for almost 20 years at GoBengals.com, that's a uh, fan forum over there. I'm on there lurking more than I post anymore. But the same set of posters, we tailgated together at Bengal Games, get together. I'd let those guys vote and take the pick here. And I wish I hadn't because I hate the pick. <laughs> Not going to lie. They say Solomon Thomas, the defensive end from Stanford. The problem I have with with Solomon Thomas is that he's not long enough to be an effective defensive end in passing situations. I just don't believe it. And I'm not sure that he's stout and quick enough to make 
are, are stout enough and strong enough to make an impact at if he slide him inside. So, yes, he may be a three-down player that can go inside and outside, but you don't take tweeners like that in the top ten of the draft. Solomon Thomas came on late, had some big highlight reels late in the season, made himself a lot of money. Um, I think this is way too early for Solomon Thomas. And if you want a defensive lineman here, Jonathan Allen's your guy. So I think that my guys at GoBingles.com screwed this up, and now I'm on the radio telling them so, and I'll send them the podcast link, Sorry, and they can guys. beat me to death. But I think Solomon Thomas is the wrong pick here. Uh, that takes us to Buffalo at 10. And Adam Deacon at NumBillsFan.com, which is a podcast about Buffalo Bills, made the pick. And he has Jonathan Allen going to the Bills there at 10. I love this pick for value. I think Jonathan Allen, I don't know where he's going to play on the football field yet. I don't know if he's an end. I don't know if he's ultimately going to wind up inside. But I know he's got burst and quickness and tenacity um, that you just can't coach. And I think Jonathan Allen is going to be a difference maker as we move forward. Um, we It doesn't seem like you ever get – a transformational uh, front four type guy coming out of Alabama, and they always get overdrafted uh, because they're playing in such a good scheme. Um, John Allen, I think, is the exception to the rule. I think Jonathan Allen is going to be a great pro, and I think he'd be a great pick at 10 to Buffalo. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think you got to take Allen here. Uh, the only thing I would think of, with Gilmore departing, you might want to look at cornerback as a priority. That's the only thing I have to add. And there's still the, there's still good cornerbacks. Like I said, this isn't a you know I don't think that there's any top shelf cornerbacks, Marshawn Lattimore included. Uh, but Buffalo, that may be the if they're picking with with need in mind, I think cornerback is probably the way to go. Now at eleven, John Butler uh, from LastWordOnSports.com. John Butler says the Saints will take Hassan Reddick, the linebacker from Temple. This is a guy that kind of burst on the scene during the draft evaluation process. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about Reddick. Well, Reddick is someone who I thought that the Cincinnati Bengals could probably should have probably taken. Because and they, they may. Need, they needed athleticism at the linebacker position. Um, so, I mean, I love the pick here, too. You can't. You need defenders in that division. You got Falcons, poor guys, got whooped in the Super Bowl, but you got to play the Panthers. You have to play Tampa Bay, who's coming on, and you got to play the Atlanta Falcons. So, I mean, I really liked the pick and thought he might be off, Reddick might be off the board, you know, two or three or four picks earlier than that. Well, I'm going to float this. First of all, New Orleans is sort of perpetually in need of defense. Right. Hassan Reddick, I think, is, is up boards just a little bit based on the success that Khalil Max had out in Oakland. Sure. You're talking about a small college linebacker with that kind of complete game. New Orleans is not going to shock me here if they look to plug in the vacancy left by Brandon Cooks being traded to the Patriots and go John Ross here. Same player in my mind. Uh, A guy that, you know, is Ross is even faster than Brandon Cooks, and there aren't a whole lot of guys that can say that. But I wouldn't be surprised if they go wide receiver there, whether it's Williams uh, be hard for Sean Payton to pass on that, wouldn't it? Yeah, those absolutely. guys, those guys in the New Orleans front office, man, that, that's a that's a that'd be a nice addition. But it wouldn't surprise me. Hassan Reddick, um, haven't seen a whole lot of him in, in you know against top flight talent, sure. But he's flying up the boards right now, and John Butler has him at eleven to New Orleans. Now Cleveland with their second pick, and this again is part of a trade that they made last year. Uh, this was with the Eagles, so the Eagles could come up to two and get Carson Wentz. Cleveland Kate, back on the board, didn't take that quarterback at one, 
She does take the quarterback at 12, and she thinks the best quarterback of the bunch is Deshaun Watson, and I agree with her. Well, Does that hurt your Tar Heel heart no, just a little bit? Well, Cleveland, if it was any other team besides Cleveland, I would say, yeah, go for it. And I've seen Deshaun Watson. I watched him a couple of years ago in the ACC championship. The guy absolutely killed my Tar Heels in the championship game. He's amazing. Um, he – he gets loose into the pockets of that more athletic quarterback has me nervous because it's the Cleveland Browns and they need a little stability that I think Mitchell Trubisky would give them as more of a pocket Mitchell Trubisky would give them more, a little more stability, even though he's only played 13 games. That's the, and that's why to me, Deshaun Watson's the pick here. Right. Um, Bill Parcells has got a rule, a rule for drafting quarterbacks. Uh, one of those is that you've got to start for multiple years. Sure. And the fact that Trubisky was on campus for a couple of years and couldn't find his way into the starting lineup to me is a red flag. And I don't know Mitchell Trubisky from Adam, but I watched him play you know half a dozen times this year. I'm sure you watched even a couple more. Yeah, he can make the throws. Yeah. Um, but when you're talking about not being the number one guy, you have to take away all those reps that he didn't get for those years. Um, you saw the decision-making process uh, fail him at times as it went on. You're talking about Deshaun Watson, who's a guy that started from day one at Clemson, has produced against the best talent in the you know in the country, and as a national champ. And this is not Tim Tebow. This is not a guy that was a good college quarterback, can't play in the NFL. Deshaun Watson can make all the throws. Right. He has the athleticism. He's not Cam Newton, but he can get out and he can hurt you just enough in the run game. Um, I like Deshaun Watson a well, whole lot here. So if, thanks to Cleveland Kate and NFLfemale.com. Yeah, if he can get his receivers to pick pick off the defenders like he did in the national championship game in the NFL, then he's golden. There we go. Hate coming down the pipe. I was pulling for him. All right, at 13, Ben Muth from the Football Outsiders says that Arizona, Bruce Arians is going to get a new quarterback to play with. Carson Palmer's getting a little long in the tooth. Which quarterback is it, Brandon? It's going to be Kaiser. Yeah, Deshaun Kaiser yeah. from Notre Dame. It makes a lot of sense. And I look at Carson Palmer, and I'm like looking at 37, and I'm like, man, that's old. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm 43. <laughs> this guy's six years younger than me. But, yeah, I mean, he saw his play really downturn last year. It was kind of like he hit a wall, Carson Palmer. And you got to have a guy in place. Let's say Carson starts all year long this year. you got to go ahead and put Kaiser in the play. Yeah, I think it's a perfect pick. Well, and and we talked about at the top, you know, if Cleveland takes a quarterback at one, you know, the calls start to get him in the game immediately. Sure. At 13 with Arizona, you're still talking about a really good football team. Uh, Bruce Arians has become a bit of a a quarterback whisperer. Um, So you got to think that if if they feel like this is a guy that's got the tools to, to play in the NFL at a high level, Bruce Arians is a good guy to get him there but also doesn't have to have the guy start week one or even really in his first year, year and a half. You know, Carson Palmer may not be top four or five in the NFL, but Carson Palmer's a good vet that can continue to lead that team while Kaiser cuts his teeth and gets ready to take the helm. Well, and just one real quick thing. You said crazy things happens in the draft. What if Watson falls? I mean, you could be anything can happen, and Watson falls right in their lap. Well, and Arizona may well look at Mitchell Trubisky and say that's our guy. Sure. Um, I mean, there's other options here as well, but I think that that a, a quarterback at, at this point makes sense for them. Uh, there's some other directions they could go, but I do think they have to start planning for life after Carson Palmer. Absolutely. And I also think 
that Arizona looking, you know, sort of introspectively doesn't feel like they're going to be picking in the top half of the first round too many more times. It's a good good chance for them to get good value here at quarterback. All right. Matt Lombardo from NJ.com says that the Philadelphia Eagles, using the pick that they got in the Sam Bradford deal from the Vikings last year, will take cornerback Marlon Humphrey from Alabama. For Philly, cornerback needs to be addressed, if not in the first round, in the second round, at least first couple of rounds because they're weak at that position. Um, and Philly's not going to be put up with having numbers. I mean, these are the people who booed, Philly fans booed Santa Claus, right? Yeah. So they're not going to have their you know secondary burned without making a lot of noise. So if that's an area that they need field, that this is a perfect pick for them to go ahead and stick a good cornerback back there. Again, the only question I have when you look at the measure rules, when you look at the tape, yep, Humphrey does the job. Corners from Alabama have been completely hit or miss over the last ten years. Um, Philly hoping that they hit it big here with Marlon Humphrey at 14. I like the pick. And um, thanks to Matt Lombardo. At 15, Reg Daddy, off of Twitter, friend of mine on Twitter, uh, made the pick for Tennessee here and says they're going Derek Barnett. Now, I've seen Barnett projected as high as top five. Um, A lot of the consensus coming out is that he may go to Cincinnati at nine. Derek Barnett, to me, is going to be a solid pro. I don't think he has the length to be a star player in the NFL. But Indianapolis, just like New Orleans, sort of perpetually in need of defense. Um, Derek Barnett, solid pick here. He's sort of a folk hero in Tennessee. He's a high-motor guy, which you got to love. But coming off the edge... I don't know that his pass rate, that his pass rush skills are going to translate to the NFL. What do you think, real quick? Well, I just think Reg Daddy and Cleveland Kate are in the running for best names so far. <laughs> I think some some real strong. But I'll say GM Chris Ballard has already said that he's doing lines first. He's building this team back, and I'd have to think he's probably looking at offensive line because he's got a pretty good quarterback behind them. So that'd be something I would consider. Um, making this pick. All right, and at 16, the last pick for the uh, radio portion of the po- of the program. Um, you can catch the rest on podcast. Go to SoundCloud from the cheap seats. We'll have the entire second half of the first round coming up. But at 16, Baltimore, our guy finally comes off the board, Mike Williams to Baltimore. And if that comes to pass, I'm going to be a very sad man. Dave, and when when you're dreaming about picking Mike Williams at that pick and you wake up and you're so sad because he's been off the board about eight picks ago, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be thinking about you. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously it's a great pick at this pick. But I'm he's certain gone that when I sent him what was going on, he looked at it and was like, Mike Williams still there. Oh, yeah, you got to uh, take Yeah, it. let's do that. Yeah. yeah, you may be getting the best player in the draft there at that, at that point. Um, thanks, everybody. Head on over to SoundCloud. Check out the podcast-only second hour of the show. We'll see you there. Thank you. See you. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will. 
solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. And now, from the cheap seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. All right, welcome back. It's Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins here, Professor Trent on the wheels back in the engineering room running things. All right, this is our very first, this is a momentous occasion. This is our very first podcast-only segment. And if you're listening on podcast and you didn't hear the first half of the uh, of the first round of our first annual From the Cheap Seats mock draft, try harder, go back, and find that first segment. Actually, it's in two segments. Two half-hour segments was the first hour of the show. Um, let's give a quick recap of where we stand right now. At one, Cleveland took Miles Garrett, Reuben Foster. At two, to San Francisco, Jamal Adams to the Bears. Leonard Fournette to Jacksonville. Jabril Peppers at five to Tennessee. The New York Jets took Marshawn Lattimore. Los Angeles Chargers took one of my favorite players, Malik Hooker. Carolina shocked the world, left Mike Williams on the board and took Corey Davis at eight. Cincinnati took Stanford defensive lineman Solomon Thomas at nine. Buffalo, Jonathan Allen. Saints, Hassan Reddick. Cleveland got their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, at 12. Arizona adds another quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser, at 13. Marlon Humphrey to the Eagles. Derek Barnett to the Colts. Mike Williams falls all the way down to 16 to the Ravens, and that brings us to the 17th pick, the first pick of the second half of the first round. And I'm going to tell you, Paul Connor from Scout.com, who's a draft guy, he's a draft analyst, um, check him out at Break Burgundy, at Break Burgundy. Um, he makes an interesting pick here, and it, it let's see where this takes us. I hope I don't upset anybody. But he thinks that at 17, the Washington Redskins will take Christian McCaffrey, the Stanford running back. Now, 17, you're talking about taking a white running back. Brandon, when was the last time a white running back was taken in the first round? Oh, a tailback now, not fullbacks, because there's been some of those. Well, off air, we were talking about it, and frankly, I don't even remember because we were we were discussing locks that we thought would be, and we were talking they were being taken in the seventh and the ninth round. So I don't even remember. All right, John Capaletti in nineteen seventy four. So right. forty three years since a white halfback was taken in the first round. In this day and age, is that even a consideration? Is that part of the thought process? Do, does you know do teams think well, nobody else has done it in forty three years? What do we do here? Or do you just take McCaffrey's, you know, his production and his skill set, had a great combine, has been a wildly productive uh, college player. Christian McCaffrey at 17, how do you feel about that? 
I like the pick. Um, one thing I would ask is everybody saying his stock is increasing. Was there something that I missed? Why is everybody across the board saying his stock is increasing? I think that there was an unspoken belief that when McCaffrey got to the combine, he wasn't going to run as fast as, as he looked like he was on tape. Right. And I, look, when you talk about top-shelf athleticism, the first qualifier for me is to is to go back and look and see – did the guy return kicks? And and as far as I'm concerned, when you look at defensive backs, wide receivers, running backs, if you want to gay if you want a snap rule of thumb idea about their athleticism, figure out how they did returning kicks. And McCaffrey was as dangerous in the open field as a kick returner as anybody out there. Christian McCaffrey to the Redskins here makes a lot of sense for them. Um, it's another toy. Um I can't look at the Redskins helmet without going, you like that? You like that? You like that? <laughs> I just, I'm looking at it and I'm like, you like that? He's he's 5'11", which, I mean, that's still a good build if you have his kind of speed, 5'11", 202 pounds. He's 5'11", he's wound tight, man. I mean, he, he looks the part. Um, I wonder, though, if there's anything to this. It, just because it hasn't happened, this isn't—I mean, this isn't a statistical anomaly. Right. White guys don't play tailback in the NFL. Well, the first name that came into mind shouldn't have been Red Grange, right? Well, Paul Hornig, Jim Taylor. I mean, we were really struggling. You look at Mike Allstott. Well, Mike Allstott had the production, all the rest of that. But Allstott, you know, Professor Trent and I talking about. Well, Allstott was the fullback. Warwick Dunn was on that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team as the lead back. Right. That entire time, Allstott just used to get the ball around the around the goal line and score touchdowns. Touchdown Tommy Vardell was a was a, a name that you threw out there. He was taken in ninety two in the top ten by the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. But Tommy Vardell was, you know, another Stanford guy, by the way. But Vardell was a fullback. Right. Uh, you've seen guys have success. In fact, there's sort of a a resurgence, a rebirth of 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 these guys, Danny Woodhead. Uh, Rex Burkhead just went from Cincinnati to, to New England, and if you got a chance to get Burkhead as a in a deep fantasy football league, you need to take him because the, Bill Belichick will find ways to use that guy's skill set. But Christian McCaffrey here would be the answer to a trivia question if he's taken in the first round. Um, Paul Connors got him going at 17 to the Redskins. Jay Gruden and that Washington Redskin offense – you know, there's been all the talk about Kirk Cousins as we've gone through the season. Uh, be interesting to see if Kirk Cousins. This is sort of his make or break here. He's playing on a franchise tag this year. Um, he's sort of, you know, been down that road and says, you know, he's not willing to give a hometown discount. He thinks he's a top shelf quarterback in the NFL. The Redskins agree. I'm looking from the from the outside in. I've got real questions as to whether Kirk Cousins is a is a top flight quarterback sure. in the NFL. But we're about to find out this year. Uh, no excuses, and McCaffrey be another weapon. Jay Gruden, with as much imagination as anybody in the NFL in terms of, of how to use a guy with um, with with multi talents uh, out of the backfield. So we'll see how that shakes out. Now at eighteen, Tennessee is back on the clock. Uh, Tennessee picked at five with that Rams pick they acquired last year. Tennessee, if the draft board falls this way, OJ Howard might be the best value pick of the draft. And that's who I've got going to Tennessee at 18. O.J. Howard, you plug in a tight end there for uh, Marcus Mariota, and I think you can't miss with that. You really can't go wrong. The question, I guess, you might have is, 
tight end in this day and age, I guess up to a few years ago, there was a feeling that, well, it's not a premium position. Well, Rob Gronkowski's done a lot to change that, sure. and everybody's looking for that next weapon to use down the seam uh, that can also block in the running game. O.J. Howard from Alabama, the tight end, I think is the best pick for the Titans at 18. What are your thoughts? I think, yeah, if he's there, you, you take him. I think I have him going number eight to the Panthers, so obviously I'm really high on the guy. In the Titans division, that's a – talent rich at wide receiver for other teams you might want to address your your secondary if if you're having to go up against all this talent at wide receiver and i do think they need inside linebacker help and so if the draft is rich with these players i think that's who you need to be looking at tight end with howard would be a big splash with the fans but i don't know that he's the right pick here but He's the, probably the great value pick. Well, when you talk about inside linebackers, I think if you don't get Reuben Foster, I really think there's a dramatic drop-off after that, and you're probably pushing, you know, reaching there at, at this point in the first round for inside linebacker help. Uh, at 19, this would be an interesting pick for me. Um, I've got Dalvin Cook going to Tampa Bay. Dalvin Cook is a guy who, going into the combine – was really neck and neck with Fournette as the as the you know consensus for the top running back in the draft. Dalvin Cook is an explosive guy, gets ball out of the backfield. Uh, you know, great numbers at Florida State, but I think everybody expected him to run a little bit faster than he did because he's a he's a he's a stick a thick stocky guy. But what you saw at Florida State was the explosiveness and. You don't. You didn't get that at the combine. You know, you're talking about a four-five plus guy. Fournette came out there and ran as a much bigger back, a whole lot faster than Dalvin Cook did, and that's caused his stock to slide. Now Tampa Bay, you know, they're building a nice little offense out there. Um, the question here is, Cook, is he good value at this point? I do think he is good value, and I look at the divisions a lot when I'm looking at making a pick. And I, how would you rank? Let me throw it back to you and ask you a question. In that division, offensively, offensive fire firepower, could you rank the four teams between the Panthers, New Orleans, Atlanta, Tampa Bay? I have Atlanta's a, Atlanta's one, one without a doubt. I mean, you look at what they've got at receiver. Matt Ryan is is in the upper echelon of quarterbacks. Um, and now, you know, Devonta Freeman, Atlanta's number one in terms of explosives. I would say that probably at this point, man, it would, it's tough to say. I never want to vote against, you know, bet against Drew Brees and that Sean Payton offense, but okay, I don't know. You've got to do something okay. to separate yourself, and I guess that's your point. My, well, my opinion is Tampa Bay's fourth, and if you're and I think fourth that's in fair. the division – you might want to control and maybe shorten the game and control that clock. And Dalvin Cook is a running back that can do that for you, you know, if you give them some blocking and some support. I think it's a really good pick for them. I think that the guy the guy that I would struggle with if I was in the Buccaneers front office here would be John Ross. You got the wide receiver out of Washington yeah, that, that I agree. you know ran the fastest forty in the history of the universe, uh four two two. The questions are with injuries there. And, I mean, you saw it at the combine. He came up lame and could only run 140. That's sort of the story with him and can he hold up. But if you take that and put that on the field with Mike Williams at the same time, you know, now you're, you're creating a whole other layer of, of problems for teams as they have to game plan against Jameis Winston in that offense. 
But you're right, and that's an excellent point. When you look in terms of firepower, Tampa Bay probably is the least explosive team in the division, and they've got to do something. Dalvin Cook may be the answer. He's a John Florida. Ross, but we're going to go with Dalvin Cook. At Florida eight. State guy, you get to stay in the state. Helps out with the fan base. It does. Now, at 20, Denver comes in, and Denver you know, is a complete team. They've got questions at the at the quarterback position, but they've sort of, you know, they've committed to their guy long term. Paxton Lynch is going to be the quarterback of the of the Broncos as we move into the future. You're still talking about one of the best defenses in in the league. Um, they do need some help on the offensive line, and this not being a great offensive line draft, I've got them taking Cam Robinson out of Alabama mm-hmm. now. Some people may disagree, and there may be somebody they prefer. It may be Ryan Ramchick. Um, there aren't any, you know, plug and play offensive tackles in this draft. That's just the bottom line. Cam Robinson, to me, just because of level of competition and uh, and his ability to move downfield, um, is my guy here. But I'm not married to this pick. Talk me out of it. Because Broncos have to address the offensive tackle position, and while he's not a plug and play. If you look at how he's listed, it's OT inside the linebacker and defensive end. So, Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit jimmyv.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. We've been joined in studio. Professor Trent has come out from behind the uh, keyboard. Welcome aboard. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, Trent Nichols is is a, an integral part of this thing, this little adventure we have here. Yeah, the show credibility just skyrocketed. It just went through the roof, <laughs> got dog. T. Nichols in the house. All right, so this is, again, podcast only. If you want to see the uh, – or you want to hear the first half of our draft, go to SoundCloud from the Cheap Seats and uh, check us out and uh, check us out on Facebook at From the Cheap Seats and if you want to be a part what we're in the midst of doing is putting together a database of super fans for every pro franchise and college out there um, shoot us an email at cheapseatradio 
radio.com cheapseatradio.com or inboxes on facebook and uh you know it's kind of first come first serve i think there's a a handful of uh a handful of things that are that are full at this point but other than the cowboys and i don't know pittsburgh steelers a couple other things am i missing anything brandon no, no, we you got, got it. You're all over it. There's like teletext going on in our ears. <laughs> yeah. right I don't know what's going on. I think the aliens are trying to communicate with us. And uh, Tim's in there. D- D- DJ Schlepprock is kind of grimacing, <laughs> so I don't know what the sound quality is like on that. But hopefully, we can get it worked out. All right, so we left out of here talking about Denver, and it's very fortuitous that uh, Professor Trent came in to talk to us because he happens to be a big time Bronco fan. In fact. He once owned Denver Broncos season tickets when he didn't even live in the state hmm. just so that he could say that he had them. It was a uh, – That's fanage. Boyhood dream. I had to sign up and take care of that. Yeah. How long did your wife let you keep those tickets before she was <laughs> like, dude, we're, we're not going to keep paying the bill if we're not going to these games? Like many things, Josh McDaniels ruined my season ticket uh, aspirations. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't give them away by the end of it. So well, at least you start hanging on money. At least you hang it on Josh McDaniels and not Tim Tebow. Yeah. If you talk bad about Tim Tebow, you're likely to be struck down by lightning bolts. <laughs> and you don't want to play with that. So I've got Cam Robinson tackle from Alabama going to Denver at twenty. What are your thoughts, buddy? Well, I, I think that would be a really good pick. I think that they really need to take care of that offensive line. They have the the. The two young quarterbacks, whether it's Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch, uh, taken over the helm, and they've always wanted to be a, a running team. And I think with their their holes in their offensive line, you saw last year that they couldn't accomplish that. You know, it's funny. You talk about Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch. I talked about Paxton Lynch just a, a little while ago. But they're almost in a – they're in a wild situation. And this has happened before where you had a – a late round or undrafted free agent young quarterback on the roster along with a number one pick. And as often as not, it's that late round guy, that unknown guy, that becomes the starting quarterback for the for the the franchise. It happened with Heath Schuler and Gus Farad in Washington. It happened with Kirk Cousins and RG3 in Washington. Is this a situation where Paxton Lynch? What's the what's the likelihood that Trevor Simeon ends up being the long term starter and Paxton Lynch can't get on the field? See, I and that's what that is the 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 ultimate question. I mean, I think that he proved to a lot of people that he was an NFL starting quarterback, and I think you go back to what happened to Drew Brees in San Diego. I mean, here he came in and played the best football of his life until he got injured, and he had Philip Rivers waiting in the wing, you know, even Aaron Rodgers. So could they trade one of them down the line the next few years? That's what is waited to be seen. I think well, if, I guess in a perfect world, yes, one of those guys becomes the clear starter. You know, internally everybody's happy with it, and you deal the other one and, and get value for them. But there's a lot of questions, and and I think the the uh, Denver Broncos training camp is going to be one of the more compelling in the league because that question needs to be answered. Yeah. Paxton Lynch kind of got that red shirt year in the NFL, and Trevor Simeon, while he played well, didn't you know didn't put a stranglehold on the starting job. So yeah. that that's a question I think needs to be answered. But one way or the other, you know, you got to protect that blind side. Cam Robinson um, is one of the best. 
um, prospects available in the draft to do that. So I'm glad that you concur with uh, with my my notion there. 21 Detroit Brandon, what do they need? They need a little bit of everything. I mean, I, I think they might need a taco maybe. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I, I they hate, are hungry I, in Detroit. Look, they if, are. you know. As long as the taco's not prepared with water from Flint, I think it'll be good. <laughs> yeah. My problem with uh, – my issue with Taco Charlton going here at 21 to Detroit is that Atlanta doesn't get a chance to take him and pair him up with Pot Roast Knighton no, on that defense because that would be awesome. I feel like I'm Pot Roast and tacos, man. It's too. a buffet that you, you can't miss. Do we all of a sudden – Get more like morphed into like Golden Corral or something. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm hungry, and it's getting closer to lunchtime. And uh, I tell you what, it's definitely time to eat. Yo Quiero, this pick. <laughs> Yo Quiero, um, Detroit Taco Charlton, um, a productive end at Michigan. Um, one of those guys that that you know doesn't blow you know it doesn't blow you away with his with his athleticism or his production. Sure. But solid at this point. Anybody have anything to add about Taco? I'm not, I don't really have anything to add about Taco. You pretty much, you know, he's a pass rusher that they that everybody needs. I would say Detroit. You know, you start to see these secondary notes about these teams. Everybody needs a three down linebacker who can cover in space. So I mean, that'd be a, a position that I'd want to tr- try to address. They feel like they have their quarterback. Um, they kind of have an identity there in Detroit, and I think if Taco Bell brings a couple of oh, <laughs> brings a couple of those things to the table, and I just couldn't resist. I'm sorry, Taco, Taco Bell. Taco Charlton's going to come to North Carolina. He's got something to talk to you about. <laughs> He's got that inconsistent, though. The buzzword has been inconsistent. It and has he, been. He did start as a senior, and I mean the comparisons though, Chandler Jones and Detroit. You know, if you can compare him to a Chandler Jones, he is a coach's project that they will have to really work with him and uh, shake that inconsistency. But linebacker is another consideration here, and there's still some good ones on the board. But uh, Taco Charlton is our pick at 21 to the Lions. At 22, Miami comes in. Need an awful lot. Miami's uh, Miami's got issues on both sides of the ball. Uh, but they come in, the primary concerns for them, linebacker, cornerback, or guard. And the best interior lineman on everybody's board is still available here. I think the the no-brainer here is Forrest Lamp from Western Kentucky. Uh, you're talking about an athletic guard who has wowed the scouts at every point you know, during the process. Um, one of those quote-unquote non-premium positions in the draft, that's why he's down here this late. But Miami with interior line force lamp at 22. Brandon, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that the addition of Lawrence Timmons, even though it's not a long-term solution, I think it fills the gap in there for them long enough to be able to, you know, get a higher, a, you know, a, a better value pick at linebacker. So I like the pick here, you know. Well, again, and this is a team that may go linebacker. There's some there's some good linebackers still out here at this point. Right. Um, so any of these teams, if they're looking at best player available, sort of in the, the you know this twenty to to thirty five range in the draft, you've got T.J. Watt, Zach Cunningham, uh, Takaris McKinley from UCLA. There's some good linebackers out there, but in this case, if you don't get a day one offensive lineman right here, if you're looking in the interior. I personally don't 
think that there's anybody you can count on to come in and contribute immediately other than Forest Lamp. I like the pick. I'm I'm actually amazed that he's still on the board at this point. Okay. Well, at 23, the Giants go offensive line as well. This time Garrett Bowles from Utah. And this is a guy, you know, I told you I used to be a draft nick. I was a draft nerd of the highest order and I watched tape and and knew these guys, you know, inside and out by the time draft day rolled around. And I'd have, you know, I'd do comparison mock drafts and and had a pretty good idea where everybody was going. Garrett Bowles, a guy, frankly, I haven't seen anything on television. Um, I've seen Utah play a couple of times and wasn't isolated on Garrett Bowles. Anything I know about him, I'm completely reliant upon the draft pundits. And I would say that 98.5% of people that will be watching the draft on the 27th, 28th, and 29th of this month are the same way. This is one, unless you've got the time and the energy to go and invest and really look at footwork and and you know all the rest of that stuff, it's not a sexy pick. Giant fans are not going to love it mm-hmm. if this is the way they go. But Garrett Bowles, offensive lineman, take it and run with it, guys. Well, I think that they're desperately in need of a left tackle. And fortunately, I think the kid out of Wisconsin – is probably the one that you can plug in and he can be that left tackle. Well, so Ryan Ramchick, not knowing a lot about bowls, yeah. these, you know how offensive linemen go. Once somebody picks one, they all start yep. to slide. Everybody panics, and there aren't a whole lot of tackles you know, that are worth – well, there aren't any, really, that are worth a pick in the first half of the first round. Yeah. If you see one go before about 15 or 16, you've seen a reach – and the team should have done whatever whatever they could have to trade down. But here is where the value starts for these tackles. Garrett Bowles comes off the board at 23, um, but there's a couple others out there that might be in play as well. Now, at 24 – Chris, can I yes, throw sir? it real quick? I'll make it real quick. Certainly. Curveball. Carson Palmer, we already established that he's an old guy, right? Yep. Eli Manning – He's 37. Eli Manning's 36. That's right. What if somebody like Mitch Trubisky falls? Mitchell, excuse me, falls to them for somebody that he can groom? Like, I love it. Why do you consider Carson Palmer? I know he's falling off a little bit more, but he's old. But well, has he fallen off a little bit more? I mean, Eli last year, Manning. Look, Eli Manning. First of all, hasn't had a whole lot of sustained success. Except for, and that's a crazy except for, his two Super Bowl runs. Right. Eli sure. Manning hasn't been a top quarterback in the NFL for a long time. So that's a point well taken. And, yeah, he only came out, you know, he's only a year younger than Carson Palmer. I love the observation. And, again, maybe this is a situation where the Giants look and say, how often are we going to be sitting in the first round and have a shot to bring in a potential franchise quarterback? And if they feel that Trubisky is that type guy, or Mahomes, or you know, maybe they do pull the trigger. Right. And and I think it'd be great to stash him down there, you know, let him get reps behind Eli Manning for a year or two, because uh, Eli Manning eventually is going to have to hang it up. Excellent point, Brandon Thank Atkins. You, sir. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show.
From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. All right, apologies, Professor Trent. We'll have to get Greta back in here to do her uh, most sultry introduction and include you so that we've got that at our disposal. But uh, thanks, Greta, for bringing us in. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, and Professor Trent wrapping up this uh, last half hour of what's turned into a two-hour mock draft program. If uh, if you haven't got the other segments on, on podcast, they're out there in half-hour segments. Uh, the second half of the draft, this is the second half of the podcast only, um, SoundCloud from the cheap seats, but you know that if you're listening to it on SoundCloud. If you want to hear us on the radio, check us out across the dial. Um, right now, WDCC noon to one on Wednesdays is your best bet, but we've got a handful of other stations we'll be rolling out here shortly, and we'll make announcements as they come. Guys, we're all the way to pick 24 here with Oakland. Oakland is a team, man, it was oh, – how awful was that for them at the end of the season with as good a football as they were playing going in the playoffs to lose Carr, man, brutal. This is a team that's yeah. really got it, and they've got stars on both sides of the football. These are the type picks, though, that really kind of separate the good front offices from the rest of the pack. Right. Because once you get into that sort of 25 – you know, picking consistently, you've really got to find guys that can contribute because you blow a couple of first-round picks and you're, you'll come back to the pack very quickly. I've got Oakland here taking Gary and Conley from Ohio State. This is we, – we said earlier, this is a deep cornerback class, but there's really no, you know, top-shelf lockdown number one corners in this class, I don't believe. Gary and Conley is second-best cornerback on that Ohio State defense – the third best defensive back. Um, what what other direction could Oakland go here? I really like the pick. In fact, off the air, I was like, Chris, is this your pick here? Are these are your picks? And he kind of grinned and said, yes. I love the ability for Conley to potentially play the middle linebacker position. They're, they could potentially try him out at linebacker. Conley at linebacker? Uh, you've, <laughs> you've bumped your head. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm making a mistake. I thought it <laughs> I thought he could potentially <coughs> fill in at, inside in the linebacker position. Is that no the Conley? Truth? Not near big enough. I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, okay, My no apologies. Gary and Conley. You know, long athlete. He'll play outside at the, as a corner. Um, I don't know what kind of notes you were reading right there, but you know, whatever. Was that the Cambodian you were back <laughs> I'm sorry, on? Sorry, <laughs> I was sorry. I was actually doing the Cambodian, but I was mixing up a different player. My apologies. It's legal in California. All right, so Gary and Conley, do you have some coherent notes there? <laughs> well, I, you know, they they could use some help on the offensive line. I mean, that could be an option. Conley is rock solid cover guy. You know, they I think they have all the tools. I thought they could have taken out the Patriots. The Patriots have been amazing again in the offseason. Uh, the guy that I think they, they should look at is Reddick out of Temple. I mean, adding that. Well, that's backer. assuming that he's there. In our in our mock here. So he's, he's not, gone, but but yeah, if they can get a if they can get an impact guy at linebacker and you've still got Zach Cunningham that's out there, Takaris McKinley's out there, there are some impact linebackers. But this is just one of those, when you get to this point in the draft, 
these teams that do well and are able to sustain over the course of time, quarterback aside, you, you throw position out. You've got to take the best athlete available, period. And I think that's the position they're in. And, take and the best available. Gary and Conley, there are some more intriguing uh, there's some sexier picks available, but I think Gary and Conley is a good fit right here. Doesn't have to come in and, and, and contribute immediately. Can come play some nickel, play some special teams, and get himself into the rotation eventually. Now, a lot of folks at the beginning of this draft cycle thought Mitchell Trubisky might be the number one overall player taken in this draft. Here we sit at 25 in our draft, and Trubisky has, has – done an Aaron Rodgers type slide you know a Johnny Manziel dive down the board and we've got him at 25 Houston I have finally ending the suffering for Trubisky and taking him here at the at the end of the first round Brandon I know Trubisky you've seen him as much as anybody what are your thoughts I understand the concerns. I don't think there's any chance he'll be sitting here at 25. Well, um, maybe the more important question, do you think he can play some inside linebacker for Houston? No, yeah. And, and that's the problem. <laughs> so we that's the defense. problem with that's the problem putting McKinley and Conley side by side on your notes is cuz their names end with L E Y. So my apologies to our listeners out there, but I, I guess I would think that Trubisky's going to go a lot earlier than this. I understand if you listen to any of the talking heads on ESPN, um, their their big question, which is a legit one, 13 games, who is this guy? Why wasn't he starting before? Um, you have to know a little bit about Larry, Coach Larry Fedora's philosophy to understand that a little bit better, but some of the talking heads don't dive that deep. Well, He's the, other thing that, the other thing that you have to understand about Fedora, though, is it's quarterback-friendly offense. Right. So a lot of different guys can come in here and succeed. We may be looking at Brandon Harris, you know, next year and wondering, wow, he couldn't do anything at LSU, but he's gone to NC at UNC and in one year, you know, blown the lid off of things. Um, there are a lot of questions with Mitch Trubisky, and none of us are privy to the to the uh, internal conversations or the interview process that, as Trubisky's gone through here. I think for me, the question is not what he can do athletically; it's the cerebral part of the game. It's the making the reads, making good decisions, the leadership factor. And, I, I, again, I don't know Mitchell Trubisky from Adam. I, I've never had a conversation with him. But I do have to wonder if he's got the leadership to step in and lead 53 grown men in the NFL. Why wasn't that leadership apparent enough when he showed up on campus at UNC that he got to the top of the depth chart? That's my question. And he is going to get every opportunity, whether it's you know at 25 or at 10 – or wherever at some point he's going to go to a franchise and get a chance to a chance to answer all of those questions. Um, hopefully for the young man, it's in the affirmative. Sure. But we've got to see. Um, the question here with Houston, man, I'm almost convinced with what Houston's done in this offseason that, that they're they're tanking for Sam Darnold next year. I don't know what they're doing. They def somebody's got to play quarterback down there, don't they? Yeah, and they don't they don't have anybody. Nobody. I mean Savage. But Bill O'Brien is a is a quarterback guy. He's a quarterback guy. He Tom didn't Savage pick Osweiler. He didn't and and he unloaded Osweiler in in what was an unprecedented move for an NFL team. Traded a pick to Cleveland. Yep. Gave them a number 2 to take Osweiler <laughs> to get that contract off the books and that 
you know, you look at it, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out who got the better of that. Well, you know, that's really one where, where both teams win. Um, maybe. Did they pull the plug too soon, thinking that Romo was coming to Houston? I don't know if Romo was a factor or not. I really don't. I think that Osweiler, for whatever reason, they saw as poison. But I don't know, Brandon. What about Patrick Mahomes out of Texas Tech? Patrick Mahomes, is a, is a, a, he's another option there. So I think Bleacher Report has him landing right on that spot. So if he's there, do you take him if he's the GM? I think I would take Trubisky. Okay. I, that's just me. I, the Texas Tech with that system, there hadn't been a quarterback come out of Texas Tech yet that that that, that skill set has translated. The, Pat Pat Mahomes can't do anything about that. I mean, that's not his fault. Right. But I think Trubisky. My eyes tell me Trubisky is the classic passer. He's got enough athleticism. My questions with with uh, Trubisky are only questions that can be answered. When you've spent time breaking down film with him and talked to him and gotten to what's inside his head, like John Gruden did, which he was really impressed with well, Trubisky. Yeah, Gruden's been impressed with everybody, though. That's the problem. It is I love those Gruden segments where they're you know they're they're talking shop, but at the same time, Gruden never is critical of anyone. So we'll see. And and either way, here I think that Houston is in a bad situation because at this point. You're probably not getting a guy that you can count on number one coming in coming in immediately, but there are still some options out there. Cincinnati's still entertaining offers for AJ McCarron. That that's one that comes to mind right away. There are still some dominoes that can drop and some quarterbacks that can move around. Maybe somebody's got a, a more complete skill set than Tom Savage. They've seen enough of Savage. Savage is not the guy. Yeah. Osweiler, like I started to say, um, locker room. Poison, I guess, is how he's been painted there in Houston. Cleveland is not going to keep him on the roster, I don't believe. But why not, though? They don't have anything to lose. They've got the cap space. They can pay the guy $17 million if they want to, and they have nothing to lose. They've just created a mess over there. But that's sort of been the you know the refrain in Cleveland for an awful long time. So why not? If if you know somebody's going to take a contract like that and add it to the mix with RG3 and everything else they've got going on, have at it, Cleveland. Your good comic really for the rest of the league. All right, so Green Bay. Green Bay, this is a team that is accustomed to picking at the end of the first round, unlike the Texans and the and the uh um we just skipped somebody. We skipped we? Seattle. My bad. We skipped all the way down. <clears throat> Seattle at 26. This is one of my favorite picks of our draft, is the way it laid out. Pete Carroll at 26. I think there's no way he lets T.J. Watt get past him there. And he's just the type mad scientist that can find ways for T.J. Watt to be productive from either the end or the outside linebacker position. T.J. Watt, just like his brother, has a motor that is nonstop. The guy's got the athleticism, same measurables as J.J. coming out, a little bit less production. But what do you think about T.J. Watt? Linebacker position. I, I, the thing I like about T.J. Watt is I think he's the best value pick at this point. And you made a great point is that Oakland, a few picks ago, you said they are coming on. Well, they're feeling a, potentially a need, but there's always this challenge of do I feel a need or do I take the best player? Um, Seattle is in that position where they're a really good team, so do they go ahead and feel the need? I think you do both with Watt, value and position, filling a, a position they need Well, to. you can't have enough linebackers. I mean, your linebackers right. are your core special teamers. 
you know, if if at this point in the draft you only get a guy that plays, you, you know, um, in a reserve capacity for the next few years and contributes on special teams, you know, you haven't hit it out of the park, but it's, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I think T.J. Watt, in terms of, of upside, is the best pick at this point. And I think that looking at what J.J. Watt has done to the NFL, you know, you're, you're obviously – you have to put stock somewhere – in that, in that, gen, in in the genetics, sure. I think it's going to be hard for Pete Carroll to pass on T.J. Watt and see if he can and get some, you know, fraction of what J.J.'s produced. Just don't be as cheesy as J.J. is. J.J.'s <laughs> got some cheesiness in him, but I'm not going to tell him that. Are you? No, sir. All right, so we got one more segment. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. All right, an hour and 45 minutes in the book. This last 15 minutes, we've got a handful of picks to plow through. Um, check us out on Facebook at From the Cheap Seats, and we'll be putting up a, a short video compilation of the uh, the picks that we've run down um, and a whole sort of synopsis of what we've talked about today. But, guys, we were talking about T.J. Watt. We've got him at 26 to the Seahawks. Kansas City. Um, who really has has kind of joined the the elite of the NFL since Andy Reid got there? At 27, um, they need help on that defense. They're getting old, a little bit long in the tooth. Um, the free agents, free agency, starting to get after them. They would love to find a replacement for Derek Johnson at middle linebacker, but I just don't think he's on the board. So I think you take a big hog molly for the defensive line. Caleb Brantley would be the first interior defensive line gone if he goes here at 27 to Kansas City. Um, that's my pick. And then at 28 to the Cowboys, you've got Buda Baker. And Buda Baker was sort of on the periphery of being a first-round pick, uh, probably a mid-second type guy until he got to the combine. And with his length and his size, made himself a lot of money when he was the fastest among the, the safeties and ran a 4-4-5 at the combine. Buda Baker to the Cowboys. Um, I do have to mention that 
the biggest cowboy fan I know, Jay White in Atlanta, Georgia, um, says they'll go defensive in there instead, but uh, he can get his own show. We're going with Buda Baker at safety to the Cowboys. Guys, you're scribbling furiously. I don't know what you're doing. I'm like, just going to go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go solo. I Keep like, rocking on. 29, Green Bay. Green Bay needs pass rush. Julius Peppers, you know, that experiment um, was was successful for them. But they've got to have somebody coming off the edge. I've got Zach Cunningham out of Vanderbilt coming in there to be that guy. Cunningham is one of those that could easily go top 15. Um, guy that slid under the radar when he was coming out of high school. Alabama whiffed on him completely, and he found his way out of the state of Alabama, went to Vanderbilt, got a you know top-shelf education. No offense to the people in Tuscaloosa. But Zach Cunningham at 29 to Green Bay, and then the Steelers are on the clock. And my hated Steelers. I do detest Pittsburgh more than any other sports team in the world. Um, (laughs) They need linebacker help, which is kind of interesting to say. But they've missed on a few picks. Timmons is gone. James Harrison's only got a little bit left in the tank. Uh, Jarvis Jones hasn't been the stud they thought. They do have Ryan Shazier, who might be the best player on that defense at this point. I've got them taking Takaris McKinley from UCLA. Um, defensive end or, or outside linebacker is is sort of the label on him. If he goes to Pittsburgh, plays in that legit uh, for real 3-4, because they're one of the few teams that really runs a 3-4, he plays outside linebacker in there, can pin his ears back to try and get to the quarterback. Um, and then Atlanta, Ryan Ramchick, offensive line. We talked about the explosiveness of that team. Ramchick works to sort of shore that up and uh, and and give some help on the offensive line, and you frankly can't have too many good offensive linemen out there, guys. No, no I mean, the one thing I was going to say, just one pick ago, did the Steelers really re-sign James Harrison? Did I read that yep. correctly? Is that dude still kicking? Yeah. And you know what his secret is, right? No, I don't. Acupuncture. The dude, and I'm not making that up, he's like an acupuncture guy um, he he has it done daily through the season and through workouts and the rest of that. But that he's one of those junk, you know, health food junkies, uh, gym rat. He's just taken such good care of his body. And you know, when you look across the spectrum, it's funny. We've gone through, we've, we're through thirty one first round picks here in our mock draft. James Harrison is the guy. Those are the guys. Even if they play for the Steelers, that I have the most respect for. You know, unheralded coming out of Louisville. Would Louisville run? I think so. You guys are yeah, sharing I think me so. with with uh, the thousand-yard stare, um, that really came and, and, and forced his way onto an NFL roster and is you know headed for the Hall of Fame one day. And he's still out there doing it. And he was one of their most productive defenders yeah. last year, defensive Imagine players. Imagine that. I and it says something about that system, too, because he spent the year in Cincinnati and was supposed to be one of those guys to put him over the top and basically wasted a year of his career. They couldn't figure out how to use him. They lined him up with his hand in the ground sometimes. They let him play outside and, you know, didn't just, make an impact play. That's just because year. Cincinnati doesn't know what the heck they're doing. In some cases, you're absolutely <laughs> right, sir. You're absolutely right. They'd do well to hire me and put me in that front office, and I could get them straight, though. I agree. So, New Orleans has the final pick in the first round. The 32nd pick, this is the one that the Patriots gave them in exchange for Brandon Cooks and, and left the whole rest of the world – Thinking, what is New Orleans doing? Does anybody know? <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, come on, man. 
You're talking about Brandon Cooks, who in his first couple years in the league, you know, absolutely took the lid off defenses. Right. And they ran him out of town. And, you know, New England looks at that and they're like, 32? Yeah, we can do that. Sure. And that really bothers me. I mean, I understand New England wins, but I absolutely hate that players want to play for them. Like, you know, Brandon Cooks, I just don't think – I think he got doubled a lot last year and New Orleans decided they didn't want to pay him. And now New England has him. They can't afford to to, uh, double him when he's playing for New England. So I just – a great value pickup by the Patriots, which I hate, but well, well, they thought something was up with them. Obviously, if they discarded them, and the Patriots are the ones that they'll take anybody, make them a team guy, and yeah, it would smell like roses. And in this case, this isn't a guy that underachieved anyone. No, this guy, you know, legit numbers. You know, it shows on the field. This isn't a guy who you know had any struggles at all. No off the field issues. Patriots more than happy to you know yeah, add, him to the, add him to the repertoire with all the rest of the with the weapons that are out there. I think in this slot at thirty two, this is a guy one of the most enigmatic guys in terms of the prospects in this draft is John Ross. John Ross was a borderline first round pick, and then went to the combine and ran four two two. Of course, he pulled something while he was doing it, and that's going to be the question: is his size and his his ability to hold up. But this is a, a, a you know this is a, an I, a, a, an example of a track guy whose talents translate to the to the uh, football field. John Ross, productive in college, coming out's got that four two two speed and it shows up on tape. He's at top gear immediately. His get off is is as quick as anybody you ever want to see. Uh, good ball skills, not a big target, so he's not sort of your your uh, traditional. Uh, I don't even know if traditional, but that new age receiver where you've got these guys who are 6'3", 6'4", that are just out physical in the cornerbacks, he's not that guy. But the thought of him in the slot is scary. And Brandon Cooks, maybe if, if if New Orleans can get John Ross in this position to basically replace Brandon Cooks straight up, And, nothing lost, nothing gained, and, except they get a cheaper version moving forward, and they've got you know four or five more years of it. And New Orleans turns around and has another pick at 42. They'd love to get a corner, but it's corner rich this draft. And a, a lot of things, I feel like he's going to be gone, way gone. But a lot of things that I'm reading is that maybe Corey Davis slips that far, and maybe you sneak in there and get a guy like Corey Davis. It's possible, and that's something that, that we look at. There's not a, a heck of a lot of receivers in this draft. Um, in this first round so far. We've got Corey Davis, Mike Williams, and now John Ross. There always is the possibility that there's a run on a position like that. Sure. I think that the two positions that are most susceptible to a run here are wide receiver and outside linebacker. Uh, there's a lot of good ones out there in terms of, of linebacking talent, but it's impossible to predict. And we hope ours holds up. Um, you listening at home – um, feel one way or the other about it, I'm sure. You're like, oh, my God, I hope they're right. Or, they, you know, I hope they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> but we'll find out. We're 10 days away, April 27th. Um, round one now, it's, I still haven't gotten accustomed to this. I still think in terms of day one picks and day two picks. Sure. But the first round is on Thursday. The draft's being held in Philly this year. Then rounds two and three are on Friday the 28th. And then everything else happens the 29th. And the 29th, 
that last day of the draft is one of my favorite days because it's just rapid fire and the picks are coming through and you know the trades are going crazy and the talking heads are scrambling trying to find notes um, talking about Gary and Connolly playing inside linebacker and stuff like that. So, <laughs> you know, no, it's um, we hope you've enjoyed this as much as we have. Um, you can find all of our content, anything we've ever done for radio or podcast up on SoundCloud at From the Cheap Seats. Um, follow us on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore DeLambert or just search for From the Cheap Seats. Um, surprises or or any kind of analysis i've got i've got one thing but i want to hear what you guys have to say i think the big surprise for me is leonard fournette leonard fournette going that high in this draft just kind of i mean and he may be gone in the top 12 picks but to me in um a running back uh, like a league like the nfl that they feel like that position has been devalued I and think, you see i think that they used to I think that there was, you know, there for a while, you know, the first running backs weren't coming off the board until, you know, 25 or, or into the second round. I think we've, we're past that. But the other thing is you have to look at these guys in a vacuum. Right. You know, when was the last time a back like Fournette came out of college? And I'm going to tell you right now, as, a, as a, a guy that watched every snap that Ezekiel Elliott played at Ohio State, Fournette's a better back than Zeke Elliott. And Zeke mm-hmm. Elliott was taken in the top ten, came out there, blew up, and and you know say what you want. Yes, he's run behind a great offensive line. Well, I don't care who you are. If you don't have a great offensive line, you're not going to execute. But you've got to be able to exploit that. I think Fournette is a top ten pick, and it may not be Jacksonville at four, but the Jets, the Panthers, or the Bengals. The chances of him getting through all four of those teams without getting taken, I think, is next to none. Well, this is kind of a copycat league. Still, Patriots won the Super Bowl again. They've they've shown that they're successful in their decision making. And my new rule is is what would the Patriots Patriots do? I I don't think they pick him anywhere near the top ten. They would trade down. No, like they would trade down. <laughs> Uh, th- or what, what, the, what they what the Patriots would do would just let you draft him, and then wait for you to do something <laughs> stupid and cut him, and or or trade him for next to nothing, and then they just pick him up, bring him in for nothing. That's I, I how they do. Belichick is just like wait till they Brandon cooks them, and yes, then we'll exactly. come back and get them. Yeah. yeah, but no, I mean that's the same thing with the. I hope the Panthers look at it like just they've been successful. What would the Patriots do in this situation if the answer is no? Don't do it. <laughs> I mean, they they have all the right answers. I think that's a line of apparel we could market. What would Patriots do? Yeah, I like I that. Sounds vaguely familiar. Thanks for hanging out. Send your criticisms to CheapSeatRadio at gmail.com. Be good. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com.